If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, a podcast that has been foretold by the ancient prophecy. My name is Becca, and I am a Scorpio with Taurus ascending and a Virgo moon, which means I'm really funny. My name is Josh, and I am a Libra with Scorpio ascending and a Sagittarius moon. You know what that means? No, what does it mean? It means that you don't care what anyone thinks about you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Except for the listeners. I hope that they think that I'm funny. Yeah. I bet they think I'm funny. Because the stars tell me I am. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the Zodiac Master today. This is a Batman podcast. Yeah. And we're in love. Yeah. Partially because of Batman. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later in the episode. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, we go over Silver Age comics, and the comic that we're going to go over today is Detective Comics number 323. But before we jump into that, I think we should jump into news. Yay! It's a bit of a slow news week. Uh, we covered last episode that Batman Day was coming up, and uh, a couple of things happened. Batman and the Audio Adventures dropped, and we're listening to that. I think we can say that we like it. I like it. Yeah. It's like uh, they gave Batman to the writers at SNL and the voice actors at, at SNL. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like it. I, I think it's a, it's a great story. We might like cover more of it in future episodes because we haven't finished it yet. We're on episode 7 of 10 right now. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm really liking it. Like, I don't think there's any single performance where I'm like, oh, that's not that good. Or any single like... Storyline, plot beat, uh, maybe like commercial thing where I'm like, oh, that sort of lands flat or that's not funny or that's, you know, not a good. I think everything is is pretty stellar. Yeah, it's funny so far. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's campy, but it's also really dark. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really violent and kind of scary. So it kind of checks all the boxes. Exactly. I think one of my favorite things about it is that it really like sells Gotham City as a character or just like as a world. Mm -hmm. It really, because they do these like commercials that are supposedly airing on like Gotham City radio and stuff, it really lets you just sort of sit in it and like accept it as its own world. Mm -hmm. Like it, it really does a lot of world building in terms of like, oh, here's and. This isn't really a spoiler, but it's because it's in like the first episode, but it's like, oh, here's a commercial for a guy who is a birthday clown, but has to make sure that he says in his commercials that he's in no way associated with the Joker because mm-hmm. like, that's a thing in this world is <laughs> like a homicidal um, clown is like a big deal. <laughs> the biggest threat to Gotham. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I really like it. The only performance that I'm not super sold on is Heidi Gardner, who plays, like, the Riddler's assistant. Okay, and here's why you're wrong. Okay. Because she's a genius and hilarious, and I love her, like, deadpan delivery, and it works super well against, like, John Leguizamo, who's doing the most (laughs) as the Riddler. And I know you were laughing super hard about that scene that we listened to earlier, which is a spoiler, so I won't say it. Yeah, no, no, I get you. And yes, yes, her deadpan delivery is great. I think 
I, for me, it's just like her character is the only one that feels like out of place. Like it feels like she's doing an SNL character and not like a a character that's like in this universe. Yeah, she is kind of relying on her like sort of stock SNL character of like disinterested teenage girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's just like I can't hear or see like in my mind's eye anything else except her on SNL when she does that voice. Yeah. Whereas like the other people like Keenan Thompson doing uh, Commissioner Gordon or um, I'm trying to think who else like SNL wise the oh mayor hamilton hill uh, yeah jason sudeikis yeah jason sudeikis like i can i can imagine them as those characters mm-hmm. well, although i don't know keenan thompson still does sort of his like uh incredulous person who like is supposed to be the straight man also yeah. i can actually tell you exactly which character of hers heidi gardner is doing she's doing a character that she uses on weekend update a lot which is like a teenage like influencer Basically. You're right. She's you're like right. The teen it's like the exact. It's like the exact same character. It's the exact same voice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that that came out. We're watching it. We're loving it. Um, go and watch it yourself if you haven't. Uh, it's so weird. I just want to say this. We said this the last time that like last week when we covered it on news. It's so weird that it's on HBO Max. Like I, the first two episodes are on YouTube. Uh, that's another thing, listeners. If you don't have HBO Max and you want to listen to the first two episodes, you can. And then maybe I'll convince you to get HBO Max. And if you do want to get HBO Max, our password is no, <laughs> no. But like, it's so weird that they did not release this as, as like a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's so much suited to well, our towards they a podcast. You to pay for it. I I get that. I guess, but they wanted more people to actually look at it there's not much that much going on visually like they well, have... i mean they want like you know higher listenership than if it had just been a podcast because podcasts aren't really they didn't advertise that's another thing that was super weird is like they announced it like a, a few weeks or a couple of months before it actually released and then the, they were like before Batman Day, they were like, oh yeah, and it's coming out on Batman Day. And then they buried it on HBO Max's like website or homepage or whatever. You Not can't... to be confused with the upcoming Batman podcast, Batman Unburied. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you can't find it. If you go to HBO Max's like homepage, it's not advertised. You have to go to the DC page and like the Batman Day banner and then it's like one or two rungs down because like the Nolan films are at the very top. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just so weird to me that they just sort of dropped this without any fanfare. It's an audio podcast essentially on a video streaming service. And it's really good. And it's really good. And like there's a lot of people who are going to sleep on this and like not know about it. We talked to the comic book shop guy today and yeah. he just found out about it even though it released uh, as of this recording like... Uh, eight days ago. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. What performance is your favorite? Like, what performances are you enjoying? I'm really enjoying. I again, I'm I'm bad with names. Uh, well, give me give me the, the character. Guys, the guy who's playing Two Face. Uh, I don't know that one. Okay, okay. He's because he's doing both characters, mm-hmm. and he's uh doing a great job of like you can absolutely tell when it's Two Face talking and when it's Harvey Dent talking. I really, there's like a lot of characters that I really like. I like Jeffrey Wright's Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, um... <sighs> I like Melissa Villasenor as Robin. 
Yeah, she she's doing a good job. A great job, especially because it's supposed to just be like Dick Grayson still, uh-huh. and she does a really good job of sounding like kind of like a twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, and and she's doing, you know, she's doing the sort of golly gee, gosh darn, you know, like that sort of stuff. Yeah, she's not a brooding Dick Grayson. No, no, nice. no. Uh, I'm really liking, let's see, Jason Sudeikis, Hamilton Hill. We talked about him already. Those are fun little interstitials. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm liking Brooke Shields as Vicky Vale. Yeah. I, I think, like, Vicky Vale is getting a lot of, of spotlight in this, and it's, it's interesting because we, like, just covered her in our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's see. Oh, I like Seth Meyers as Jack Ryder, too. Mm-hmm. I'm really liking, like, uh, I, they're obviously, I mean, again, we're only on episode seven, but I don't think they're doing, like, the creeper yet. But yeah. I, if they, this gets, like, a second season, which I would love if it got a second season... Uh, I would love to see him also, like, play the Creeper, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. We're going to talk about him in a future episode. I'm going to figure out a way to work the Creeper into this Batman podcast. Well, let's save the big discussion for after we're uh, finished listening to it. Okay. Uh, Yeah, this has gone on for way too long. (laughs) I wanted to get to news. So the other two things that I have for this week, the first one is that the Injustice movie got a new R-rated trailer, so if you're out there and you are interested in the Injustice movie, go ahead and give that a watch. Uh, if you can stand up to blood and guts and gore. And if you can't, then like don't watch the movie also. Yeah, I mean, it's based on a fighting game. So. Yeah, made by the guys who made the Mortal Kombat games. Yeah, it's gonna be Which were boring. so violent that they made the U.S. Congress consider regulating the video games industry. Hey, did you know that um, Mortal Kombat was actually based on a like Scandinavian church song? The you talking about the theme for Mortal Kombat? Yeah, it's a, a finishing. Not the video game. <laughs> do we need to do another take of that because you talked about No. I completely lost my train of thought. Good. What's the next news item? Okay. Yeah, the next news item is that Lego announced a new set available for pre-order. It's the Tumblr Batmobile from the Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, It's similar to the 1966 Batmobile that you and I got. It's Mm -hmm. like minifig size, so you can stick the little Batman minifig in it. Um, It comes with a scarecrow minifig and a little placard that has all the details. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that one's 40 bucks and releases on October 1st. And also on October 1st, you can get a Lego sculpture of the 1966 television series Cowl. Hmm. They also have like the regular Batman Cowl on sale now. Uh, and then finally, the larger Tumblr, uh, the like $230 like big one, like not minifig size, that one's coming out on November 1st. They already had a set of that, but it like got discontinued. So I guess they, I don't know, they updated it and they changed out the, swapped out the parts or whatever. Um, I have a question about the, like the current one. Okay. Um, is the scarecrow minifig wearing a suit like he is in the Nolan movies? I think he is. Yeah, they're based on, like, the the portrayals of the characters in the movies. Cute. Does he have, like, a detachable, like, burlap sack head? Uh, no. Hmm. No, he doesn't. I think he's just, his face is painted, like, the, the face of the minifig is painted to look like the burlap sack. Lame. And he also has one of those, like, Lego things that they've been putting in, like, all of those sets where it's, like, a gun that shoots the little studs mm-hmm. out. Hmm. Oh, also the Batmobile shoots studs, too. It's got, like, little guns on the front. Oh, yeah. That's standard. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, and that's it. Those are the only the only news items that I had. Like okay. I said, slow news week. Normally I wouldn't cover Lego, but it was like the only other interesting thing. <laughs> Very well. So let's get to Detective Comics number 323. Yes. The Zodiac Master. Cover date, January 1964. Writer Dave Wood, penciler Sheldon Moldov, inker Charles Paris, and editor Jack Schiff. Dave Wood. Is that this? This is the first Dave Wood comic we've I read? think it is. I don't think we've covered another Dave Wood comic yet. Huh. Interesting. The writing in this was good. Yeah. I didn't notice a huge departure from, like, the Bill Finger type writing. It does still follow the same three-act structure that his stories tend to <laughs> follow. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know what? I like the way that uh, Dick's dialogue was written in this. Hmm. So, it's maybe a little different. Okay. Well... Uh, we open with a PSA about the importance of voting, which mm. I want to cover because I like the message. Uh, so in this PSA, a little boy named Joe was late to the meeting of the Fancy Boys Club, um, and they voted to have their annual preppy picnic at the lake instead of Joe's uncle's farm. And Joe's dad comes out of the house as they're all fighting about this um, and tells the boys about a plan that he wanted to propose to the town council to get a new swimming pool and a playground but he forgot the date of the meeting where the vote was going to take place, and he missed out. So here's a lesson. If you don't cast your vote, you don't get to tell anyone anything. Because yeah. you should have been there and let your voice be heard mm -hmm. the day that you were supposed to and not uh, forgotten the date of the meeting or the vote. Yeah. I mean, the comic sort of implies that, like, the town didn't get a pool or, uh, or a playground or a playground because the only proposed plans were going to raise taxes too much. But yeah. Joe's dad had the secret plan to use, I don't know, Nazi gold in order to buy the pool and playground without it raising property Listen, taxes. Listen, it's like a reverse funnel. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm at the top and then I'll sell you guys coupons and then you sell four friends coupons. And then that's how that we're going to afford. That's how we pay for the playground. That's how we play for the playground. Yeah. It's totally real. And could happen. Uh, so the cover art um, has a few nods to the Zodiac mm -hmm. and our first look at the mysterious Zodiac Master. Not to be confused with the Zodiac Killer who was active four to five years after this comic debuted. Mm. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> you think that the Zodiac Killer read this issue of Batman? I think it's entirely possible. And he You're was true. like, ooh, a Zodiac-themed villain? I like it. <laughs> You're you're right. There is a non-zero chance that that could have happened. Exactly. Can I state the formal opinion of this podcast in, in, in terms of who we think the Zodiac killer was? You can state your formal opinion. Okay. Don't come for me. Um, <laughs> allegedly, I do believe that the Zodiac killer was Arthur Lee Allen, and I'm sticking to that. Is he the guy with the, the watch? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's the guy who, when they um, asked one of his first, one of, like, the first survivors of his attacks, uh, like, they put, like, a photo lineup. He, like, pointed at him. He's like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that shot me. Hmm. But here's the thing is, like, his body type's a little different than some other people think. He's, like, a little bit heavier. Anyway, he's dead now. Could have gained so. weight. Yeah. But, like, he was heavier in the 60s, too. Oh, okay. He's dead now, so we'll never know. But... I'm pretty sure Arthur Lee Allen was the Zodiac Killer. Anyway. Okay. Continuing great. on with the comic. Yes. 
yeah, this cover is interesting. We've got a giant lion face. Mm-hmm. We've got a Zodiac. Zodiac Master is shooting a giant arrow at Batman, and Batman is in the middle of punching a guy in the face. Yeah, Marty, the star of the comic. <laughs> we open with the Zodiac Master warning a soon-to-embark ship that their voyage will be ill-fated. Uh, information he gleaned from reading the cosmos. So our introduction panel to the Zodiac Master shows him shedding a trench coat and fedora, which implies that he's been like waiting in the crowd like a weird uh, like flasher, like for this reveal of being like, don't leave with the boat. You can trust me. I'm covered in symbols. (laughs) Yeah. The police rightly call him a crackpot and he is escorted away. However, mere minutes after the ship leaves port, it loses rudder control and crashes into a tanker. So when when Zodiac Master is running away, he's striking this weird pose too in the panel. Like this is one of those things that I wish the listeners could see visually because he's got his like it looks like he's got his they leg. They could. His we leg. told them the comic number. <laughs> his leg popped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't know if he's supposed to be running away, but it sort of just looks like he's doing like a ah type thing. He's doing a, a little pose. Yeah. No, I think he's running for his life from the cops. From the cops. Yes. Later, Bruce and Dick run into the Zodiac Master, warning a plane not to take off, as the stars portend a fiery tragedy. As the duo run off to don their costumes, Zodiac Master steals Polka Dot Man's gimmick and rips the ram signifying Ares off of his costume and throws it at the plane. And that's Ares, A-R-I-E-S, not to be confused with Wonder Wonder Woman's dad, Ares, A-R-E-S. Uh, he throws it at the plane, and the ram grows larger until it smashes into the engine, grounding the plane for good. Mm. And Batman and Robin, now becaped, chase after the villain, <laughs> but fall victim to another projectile from his costume. This time, the best Zodiac symbol of them all, the scorpion. Mm. Uh, and the contraption comes with weighted wires that trap the dynamic duo long enough for Zodiac Master to make his escape. The comic doesn't say long enough. The comic says minutes later yeah. they escape. You ever which... been hit with a net? It's hard to get out of that Okay, thing. a weighted... Bat- Batman, the Batman, takes minutes to get out of a weighted net? Look how complicated that looks. It's all tangly. He's on, in there with a little boy. It's hard. <laughs> I, I only have to imagine that, like, Robin was making it worse. Oh. Like, Robin is, like... As with everything, Robin is making it worse. <laughs> he's, like, tangling the wires as Batman is untangling them. And he's like, I can't get out! Yes. Most likely. <laughs> yes. Batman and Robin return to the plane's hangar, where they are informed there really was a defective wire that would have brought down the jet if it had ever taken off. Batman, vastly unaware of the infrequency of plane crashes thinks this deadly defect being foretold by Zodiac Master was probably just a coincidence. (laughs) Later, Robin makes a pun that he totally intended. Mm -hmm. He says pun not intended. Saying there has been no sign of Zodiac Master for days. But the dynamic duo have other crimes to stop and head for the racetrack where a theft is in progress. They are reading the newspaper. Actually, Robin is reading the newspaper And they're talking about, like, there being a recent crime wave. Mm -hmm. And the newspaper reads that there has been four robberies in Gotham this week. Um, I looked it up because I was sort of curious, because that kind of sounds like an easy week in Gotham, to be honest. 
Um, and so I looked up like the crime stats for different cities. Uh, Philadelphia has more than one robbery a day, mm-hmm. and New York City has more than thirty-five robberies per day. And they call us Philadelphia. <laughs> I can't. Uh, scale matters, though, I guess, because like maybe the newspaper is saying like there were four major robberies. Like I'm assuming that these stats for like New York and Philadelphia are probably like small-time ones, like mm-hmm. knocking over a gas station or something. They, yeah, I feel like Batman you, and Robin are talking about like robberies that are committed by the mob at like you know yeah. major places. No one in Gotham, I feel, just like snatches a purse. Mm-hmm. They're like you know hitting up art galleries and stealing like <laughs> the the lost Monet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it's, what it is. It's never something like, oh yeah, I just like you know. I went to a 7-Eleven and I just asked for the register. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. They're stealing the prize jewel off the, the uh, visiting Sultan's turban. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. You're never going to get over that. No, I'm not. I Listen, I don't want a victim lane, but don't wear your jewel on your freaking head. <laughs> anyway. You know what? That actually... Wait. Hold on. Okay. Because... Okay. So there's a rapper named Lil Uzi Vert and he has like a diamond like implanted in his forehead like a piercing is 24 million dollars and he was crowd surfing at a concert in july and a fan like just like ripped it out oh my gosh took it and now there's like conflicting reports like maybe he got it back maybe he didn't he's like (laughs) trying to play it cool but like he hasn't been seen with it since i don't think jeez right so wait it was a piercing and they ripped it from his head i yeah did he it must have bled or something, right? I don't know. You bleed a lot from your forehead. That's what wrestlers do. Yeah, they bleed. Well, if he just like you know, if you like, if you take out an earring, it's not. You know, well, yeah, but that's bleed. cartilage or whatever. That's not your forehead. I don't know. Okay, I well, don't know how don't, these things work. Don't wear jewels on your forehead. I'm not sure rich people bleed. <laughs> <laughs> don't wear jewels on on your head. Yeah, no, not a good idea. It's gonna get stolen. So the duo make their way to the racetrack uh, and follow the thieves to the saddling area and watch them hijack horses, one of which is a disturbing blue color and is literally the exact same shade as Batman's cape. And I can show you a visual, Joshua. Uh-huh. I did a little like like uh, MS Paint you oh, know, you... <laughs> comparison. This is the color of the horse and this is the color of Batman's cape. It's literally almost the same shade. Yeah, well, because they, they're using the same color. Okay, but what horses are blue like that? Okay, here's what I... Okay, I, I, have, the same, I have the same note. Okay. Ch- Charles Paris, you know that horses aren't blue, correct? Uh, I don't think he does. <laughs> I think, since Batman's cape and Batman's costume is supposed to be, like, black. Black. And the blue is supposed to be, like, the light, the highlights of the black. Yeah. So I think it's supposed to be a black horse. And it's like a black beauty. He just like couldn't figure out how to make it a black horse without it showing up as just like a complete ink splotch on the page. I guess. And so, so they were like, I guess blue is close enough. I guess we'll make it blue. Because <laughs> we, because we already have the ink like of the outline in black, so we can't make the rest of it black, or else it'll just look like a horse-shaped shadow. Why didn't they just make it dark brown? I. That's a good question. I don't know if they have a dark brown. It looks so surreal. It looks like one of the <laughs> like one of the four horse horses of the apocalypse. 
You know what it looks like? It looks like that sculpture that's at, um, oh, what oh, airport? Oh, the Denver is, airport? Yeah, the Denver airport. Yeah, it looks like the crazy horse sculpture that killed its artist. Yes. That he thought he heard whispers coming from. If you guys don't know about the Denver airport, you gotta look it up. Yeah, look up the Denver airport horse. It's a crazy story and a scary looking horse. It's a really scary looking horse. I don't like it. Okay, well, let's let's leave this scary horse for now. Okay. Uh, so Batman and Robin acquire horses of their own and chase the thieves down on the racetrack. And as the GCPD... Oh, oh wait a sec. I like that the comic, like, hand waves away that they're able to catch up to the other guys on horses by saying that they used their equestrian know-how. Yeah. Just like, oh, yeah, their horses are faster because they know horses better. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're rich boys. They know how to ride horses. I guess More so. than these... More than the criminals? Criminals who need to I steal I feel like the horses do most of the work. Listen, I've ridden horses. Uh-huh. I rode on a horse that one time decided that it wanted to run away mm-hmm. <laughs> while I was still on it. And uh, the horse just... I mean, the ho- if the horse is trained to run around a track very fast, it's, it's going to run fast. I don't think it matters who's on top of it. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like some jockeys would fight you on that. Dick Grayson probably has like a leg up because I know that like horse jockeys are supposed to be small and weigh not very much because that makes the horses able to run faster. Yeah. So it it would make sense maybe that Robin would be able to catch up a little quicker. Yeah. I don't know. I also, well, if you look, uh, the blue horse, not only is it blue, it also looks like it's got sort of like a bandage around one leg or maybe two legs. I think that's just a thing that they do. Like, okay. like to, I don't know, keep the, the arthritis, the horse arthritis down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Enough about horses. Okay. Neither of us are qualified to talk about horses. No, not at all. As the GCPD take in the thieves, the heroes hear one of the goons say, Mr. Z read his symbols wrong. The two heroes begin to believe that Zodiac Master is somehow involved. Hmm. So we catch a Zodiac Master being somewhat involved, uh, telling his henchman Marty that sometimes the stars are wrong, like the foiled racetrack plan today. It seems the underworld of Gotham has been paying him to predict how their heists will go. He also reveals that he rigged the ship and the plane to make sure his <laughs> predictions came true. Oh, so he's like every other psychic in existence, a huge fraud. Yeah, exactly. Although I would, I, I do wish that more astrologers rigged stuff up to drum business. I might visit one if they correctly predicted a boat crash. Oh my god! They never make extremely correct predictions, mm. especially the ones that like get a bunch of people in a room and are like, "I'm going to listen to some of your dead relatives." Mm. It's all just you know, it's room reading at that it's, point. It's cold reading yeah. and the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. And you know, you paid all this money to be here, and you certainly would like to talk to your dead relative. And wouldn't that just be nice to believe for a moment? <laughs> it's very sad, and it, pay, it is. It oh yeah, it plays off of people's grief in such it, a disgusting way. It's 100 percent like an exploitation of grieving people, which is awful. Yeah, it's also so weird sometimes. When when they try to get involved in like current cases like of missing persons or like children who might have been kidnapped or dead there was actually a case um a few years ago of a psychic who was like i know that your son who went missing is dead i can't feel his spirit anymore i just know he's passed away and then the kid was found alive he like escaped like whatever kidnapping situation he was in he was like guess what i didn't die and she's like oh great i'm so glad i was wrong it's like <laughs> 
girl, why would you tell these parents that their kid is dead and yeah. you like, can't feel his spirit when like he's not? Yeah. And you're a fraud. I feel like I feel like I've heard of stories where police have consulted psychics and have like convicted the wrong person because of it like the the psychic like gave them bad info and they like got you mean con- arrested the wrong person no like got like arrested the wrong person and then that wrong person went to jail uh because like the other info they had was i guess enough to like maybe pin it on this on the person yeah a broken justice system then of course <laughs> Of course we do. I don't think psychic evidence is permissible in court. No, no, no. Not that the, the, the psychic evidence. It was just like whoever it was like didn't have a good enough defense. Okay. So it was circumstantial evidence. I yeah. got them put away. Yeah. <sighs> a little thing called uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Some juries need to uh Well, understand. it depends on the type of case, I guess. I guess so. Anyway. <laughs> we rejoin our heroes in the Batcave with Batman wearing his best disguise yet. And I feel weird seeing him with blonde hair. It just, I don't know, there's something about <laughs> the, it that's wrong. The thing that's super interesting... And the interesting big yellow hat. Is, yeah, he disguises himself as blonde, but they don't dye his eyebrows or facial hair. So he's got blonde hair, but still has, like, black eyebrows and black facial hair. And we'll... No, he's got blonde facial hair. A little bit. It looks sort of light. It's just, like, a little <laughs> stubble. And we'll see later that they totally could have made the whole thing blonde. It, exactly, Hold yeah. on. Hold on to your seats, listeners. Um, The plan is for Batman to infiltrate the criminal underworld of Gotham disguised as a hoodlum in order to get close to the mysterious Mr. Z. The plan works perfectly, and Batman soon finds himself in a room alone with Zodiac Master and Marty. It is there that we get the greatest mask reveal since Mission Impossible, (laughs) when Batman removes his mask to reveal his cowled head underneath, pointy ears and all. Is that why the disguise had a hat? To hide his pointy ears underneath this weird... Like, fake mask? A couple of panels before, when they show him putting this disguise on, there are no ears coming out of the hair. Well, maybe it's a really thick wig. <sighs> it's so wild. It's very strange. He, yeah, he hid his entire mask and and ears underneath of another mask. Yeah, very sweaty. That went completely over his face. It's like a face, it's a full face mask. And nobody was like, hey, this guy looks weird and not emotive. And like... His head is so weirdly bulky. <laughs> well, furious as for not seeing through this brilliant disguise, uh, Zodiac Master hurls the arrow of the Sagittarius Archer at Batman, who gets pinned to the wall by his cape. And while the caped crusader is incapacitated, Zodiac Master makes his escape through the mouth of Leo the Lion hanging on his wall, an exit that he closes behind him so none can follow. Mm. And uh, Batman then interrogates his henchman Marty, who reveals Zodiac Master was planning a big heist. Uh, They find a paper with the symbols for Leo and Taurus the Bull on it, and a prediction saying it's time to reach for greater heights. We cut to the Gotham Museum, where the silliest thing I've ever seen happens. (laughs) I need to preface this. We talk a lot on this podcast about not wanting to speak ill of the dead. Okay. Especially these great men (laughs) who created this property that we love so much. And truly, if it wasn't for our mutual love of Batman, Joshua and I would not be together. We wouldn't have this life. We wouldn't be engaged. We wouldn't be planning our wedding together. Uh, So... I say this with the utmost love and respect <laughs> for the late, great Sheldon Maldoff, 
and his family. The man did not know what a crab looks like <laughs> at all. So Zodiac Master attempts to distract the guards of the museum and steal a golden bull statue using what is clearly a mechanical lobster, but what the guard and Batman repeatedly call a crab over and over again. And if I'm being generous, I'm calling it a lobster. It looks much more like a shrimp with huge claws. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And even like when I saw this and I was like, that's not a crab. No. Uh, I looked up pictures. I literally like Googled like different types of crabs. Me too. Like, maybe this is maybe this is a type of crab that I just haven't seen before. It looks a little like a crawdad, perhaps. Yeah, it's definitely not a crab. It's no. it's some sort of shellfish that is not a crab. Because crabs are like circular and this thing is long. Like crabs are are hamburger bun shaped and, and lobsters are hot dog shaped. Exactly. <laughs> crabs are flat lobsters are long yeah this thing is not flat no, no no and it's got big big claw i don't know it's, it's got big meaty well mr crab's claws but it's a lobster <laughs> yeah okay and the 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 bull that it's stealing is like a cretian artifact from some sort of king yes uh which the museum specifies like on the display itself is rare and valuable yes the museum had to specify that i guess as Mm -hmm. if like you would go into a museum and just like think that the things that they have there aren't rare or valuable i bet everyone had this kind of golden bull on their mantle (laughs) in crete whatever (laughs) anyway yes the crab and i'm putting a hundred air quotes around that does pick up the rare and valuable golden bull um and also it deflects one of batman's batarangs when he like throws that and the crab's like grabs it right out of the air yeah love it uh and zodiac decides this ends now and throws the fiery gemini twins from his suit at the dynamic duo Uh, the two dodge and batman picks up a shield just as the goat of capricorn is fired at them and with precise deflection Batman sends the goat missile hurling back at Zodiac Master. There's also some collateral damage of, uh, like, museum items in this fight. The, mm-hmm. the, those two twins, like, hit some sort of artifact that are behind Batman and Robin. It looks like Olmec. Like... From Legends of the Hidden Temple. Gotham Museum must have insane insurance premiums because this thing must happen all the time. People are always trying to rob the Gotham Museum. And I'm sure that they like lose artifacts just to sort of scuffle Mm -hmm. like all the time. Well, with precise deflection, Batman sends the goat missile hurling back at Zodiac Master, hitting him in the booty and rendering him incapacitated and easy to hand over to the GCPD. I guess the success of his big caper just wasn't written in the stars. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Zodiac Master. That's his first appearance. That's his mostly only appearance. Mm. Uh, I do have a rogue roundup for Zodiac Master. I want to just go over some of the times he's cameoed. He hasn't really had any lines outside of this comic. He showed up in a comic, uh, in an issue of the DC series Solo. And Solo was this anthology series that released in 2005 that uh, where each issue was written mostly or solely by a single writer. They were 48-page issues without any ads, and the writers were given free reign to use any of the characters that they wanted from DC's catalog. 
Uh, Zodiac Master shows up in Michael Alred's issue, which I believe is issue number seven. And the story is titled Batman A Go-Go. And it mixes characters and iconography from the 1966 television series with those from the Silver Age comics. And it tells a story about what sort of moral dilemmas an Adam West Batman would have faced if the show had followed the comics into a more somber and serious, like, Bronze Age. -y. Interesting. Yeah, they talk about, like, uh, race riots happening in the comic and... Uh, couple of other things like there's there's a lot of mentions oh, yeah of like, because there was no like racial Nietzsche uh, and stuff there was no racial unrest in the 60s yeah well that's true like the the Batman television series went until like 1968 it yeah. started in 66 but it went to 68 so like it was on when JFK was killed and Martin uh, Luther King Jr. yeah and MLK was killed. like there's a lot of stuff that happened that I you know obviously they didn't touch on because it was you know feel good can't be television but it is i guess interesting to think of like like what if what if 66 adam west batman lived in the real world of the late 60s and had to deal with that sort of stuff yeah um the the gist of the story is that like robin falls in love with one of riddler's henchwomen uh and he gets caught up in the murder of aunt harriet oh no yeah <laughs> Uh, Batman wrestles with whether or not he's still relevant or if he's like a laughing stock. Um, I don't want to give away the ending, but uh, it's it's really interesting. And the, the issue has a couple other interesting stories. Uh, one of them is uh, an hour with our man, which is the silver or sorry, the, the golden age character our man who like drinks miraculo and and has superpowers for an hour he like drinks a miraculo and he like stops a crime but it only takes him a couple of minutes so then he's like got to figure out what to do with the rest of his energy <laughs> so he has to like burn it off it's pretty interesting and then there's another one where uh the teen titans move in to like an apartment above the doom patrol and like throw a big party and the doom patrol fights them fun <laughs> it is it's it's a it's a pretty interesting issue uh, That's the kind of story you'd see on, like, Titans on HBO Max. Or, really? Yeah. Doom Patrol's in that. Well, yeah, but, but it's not goofy like that, right? I feel like that would be something that would happen on Teen Titans Go. Like, they would, they would do something like that on Teen Titans Go. Uh, so Zodiac Master also shows up as, in the background uh, doing cameos in the places where we're likely to see all of these one-off gimmick villains. Mm -hmm. uh, he's in an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold, the one that always gets referenced when like all these side characters. It's the one where there's like three Batman and uh, Firestorm is in it. And there's like a there's just a lounge that has like every single villain imaginable. Uh, and he's also in the Lego Batman movie. He shows up in the background, like, reading a book on astrology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so those are, like, all of the appearance, uh, appearances of Zodiac Master. They have not used him since uh, this this Silver Age comic that we, you know, read as, as a major character in anything. Maybe because of the Zodiac Killer? Like, Ooh, maybe. It's possible that they sort of want to distance that character from the Zodiac Killer, or they just like figure like, well, we already have Calendar Man who like does stuff based on months and days of the week and stuff. So. We already have Polka Dot Man who rips things off his costume and throws yeah. them at people. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of sort of overstepping of gimmicks between Zodiac Master and some of the other villains in in Batman's Rogues Gallery. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's sort of understandable that he hasn't showed up again. Although, I, again, this is the sort of thing where it would be really interesting to see what, like, 
uh, a New 52 or Rebirth uh, writer would would do with a character like this, just to sort of like throw them in and, and give them a new backstory and you know work their magic on it. There's there's this wealth of of Silver Age villains to like dig into to yeah. try and like re repurpose and like. Well- Tom King did a little of that in the beginning of, like, Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be, like, sort of similar to Brave and the Bold, there would be, like, just, like, montages of him and Catwoman, usually just, like, going after a bunch of different villains, and it was always just sort of, like, one-off Silver Age villains. But, um, yeah, Zodiac never made it into that. Mm-hmm. A lot of other ones didn't. Yeah. I mean... There's, there's just so many. There's so many. There's so many. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. He's an interesting character, and like I said, it'd be interesting to see like a writer pick it up and, and do something with it, even if just for like a one shot or something. Uh, I also wanted to do a a bonus uh, a Bat Family Matters. Ooh. So in this comic, we see Bruce Wayne take on the um, like a, an alter ego of a criminal to infiltrate Gotham's underworld. A so, blonde man with a very bulky face. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it might be an interesting time to cover Matches Malone. And I know we've covered Matches Malone. Uh, like, we've just sort of talked about him as a, as a tertiary thing before. But it, I thought it would be interesting to sort of go into the history. So this is about Family Matters on Matches Malone. So Batman's alter identity, Matches Malone, originates from the Batman comic number 242 during Denny O'Neill's Rachel Ghoul storyline in 1972. Batman attempts to recruit the real Matches Malone, who is actually like a criminal in the Gotham underworld, mm-hmm. to help him take on Raish. Matches attempts to escape from Batman and during the confrontation pulls a gun on him. Uh, but he misses, and the bullet ricochets back and kills Matches. Oh no! Which allows Batman to assume his identity later to infiltrate the criminal underworld. Mm. Uh, Matches has a very distinct look. Uh, he's got like a porno mustache, uh, sunglasses, and a match in either his hand or his teeth. And he's usually wearing some gaudy suit jacket. Uh, he's very like sleazy criminal looking. Uh, The identity became a regular tool in Batman's arsenal, even after the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Matches began to develop as a character into someone who had a reputation of barely escaping danger and managing to avoid being captured by Batman, which I think is hilarious. Um, the real Matches got a post-crisis backstory that was different from his pre-crisis one in a 2001 comic. In his post-crisis continuity, Matches was an arsonist from Hoboken, New Jersey, and was the prime suspect in his brother's murder. Batman came across Matches' body in an apparent suicide uh, early on in his career. And Batman secretly buried Matches alongside his brother and then studied him, going as far to live in his apartment, wear his clothes, and eat his food. Yes. Yeah. Until he could use the Matches persona to spy on the Gotham underworld. Uh, In Batman number 588 and 589, which is where the storyline is, uh, Matches is revealed to have faked his death. Because mm. in comics, no one's ever really dead. Yeah, no one's ever really gone. <laughs> After finding out that one of his fires killed a homeless man, Matches' brother commits suicide, and Matches framed it as a robbery to save face. Mm. 
which then caused him to become the prime suspect because the, the cops knew it was uh, not like a regular robbery. Hmm. So that's what put him on the suspect list. Matches then uses the homeless man's body to trick Batman into thinking he killed himself. Mm. And because it was early on in Batman's career, Batman never ID'd the body. And the body was burnt, obviously, because Matches, he does his arson thing. Um, and so Matches, like, escaped, went away, and, like, started his own life somewhere else. But he returns to Gotham after hearing that someone is using his identity and being accused of being a snitch. Mm. Uh but upon his return to Gotham is immediately gunned down by Scarface and the ventriloquist for being an informant for Batman. I want to just clarify something. Okay. Scarface gunned him down. Yeah, Scarface gunned him down, yes. Arnold Wesker didn't do anything. (laughs) He's a little stool pigeon, and I feel bad for him. (laughs) Yes. Arnold Wesker is mentally ill. (laughs) No, he's good. (laughs) So the match's identity was also involved in the war crime storyline where Stephanie Brown, who was spoiler, then became Robin, and then in this storyline was fired as Robin, uh, attempted to install matches Malone as the kingpin of the mob, thinking that he had worked for Batman and not knowing that Batman himself was matches. Hmm. I guess like Bruce didn't find the time to tell Stephanie Brown that uh, he was matches Malone. <laughs> So anyway, when Matches Malone didn't show up, uh, the ensuing gang war killed dozens and then also resulted in the apparent death of Stephanie herself at the hands of Black Mask. I don't know. Yeah. Um, although Stephanie does come back after this because, again, in comics, no one's ever really dead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, it's one of those things where it's like she dies and, and then the whole Bat family has to deal with her death. And then she, like, shows up like a few years later and they're like, oh, you faked your death. I helped you fake your death. And also, we were faking grieving the whole time. It's so stupid. Anyway, uh, spoilers. Spoilers for the Gotham television show. Uh, This happens in season two of the Gotham television show. It is revealed that Matches Malone is the one who killed the Waynes. Oh, no. And uh, it was at the orders of Hugo Strange. And feeling remorse for that... He uh, asked Bruce to kill him to like be like, you can get your revenge. Like little boy Bruce. Uh, little boy Bruce. Yeah. 13, 14 year old Bruce Wayne. Okay. Uh, and Bruce Wayne obviously refuses. And uh, so, so Matches Malone kills himself. That's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I want to throw in here. This is something that just I know off the top of my head. Because I read the Rebirth run of Batman Beyond. In the Rebirth run of Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis joins the Joker's gang, claiming to be the son of Matches Malone, uh, named Trey, Trey Malone, uh, in order to save Bruce from the clutches of the Joker gang. Mm. And uh, there's also, like, there's an exchange, and they're like, Matches Malone, uh, what are you talking about? I didn't think he had a son. He's like, oh, yeah, I mean, he slept around. He was a criminal. <laughs> like, he has probably. You could a, say he's like a billionaire playboy. A dozen kids. <laughs> he left my mother when, when I was young, <laughs> whatever. That type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's what I can tell you about Matches Malone. He's, he showed up through Comic Continuity a bunch. Uh, Little did Terry know, Bruce actually was his father. <laughs> Yes. Yes. 
sort of halfway and no. only in the animated series. I don't think that that's... Amanda Waller injected his DNA into his father so that his sperm would be Bruce's sperm. That's canon. I know that's canon. Yeah, that's canon in the animated universe. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it's canon in, in like modern be. continuity. It should be. Well, wild ride. It is a wild ride. The seed is strong. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, that's all I have to say. Yes. Uh, everybody, if you would like to speak with us, if you want to get in t- contact with us, tell us something we missed. Tell us uh, that you're enjoying the podcast. Tell us our fortunes by reading our star charts. <laughs> uh, you can email any of that to batmatespodcast at gmail.com. No space, no underscore, just batmatespodcast at gmail.com. You could reach us on Twitter at Batmates. We don't tweet very much, but, uh, you know. We do have a Twitter account. Yeah, we do have a a Twitter account. And uh, if you would like your review of our podcast to be read on the air, you can rate us five stars and we will, we guarantee we will read your review as long as it doesn't contain anything uh, that (laughs) we can't air as part of not breaking our non-explicit thing on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. So uh, have a good week, everybody. You know, be careful. Mercury's making lemonade. So just make sure that you're uh, doing doing good out there. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everybody.